Hey, everybody. Welcome back in. It's the My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. I'm James Adams, along with Skeeter Robinson, and we are getting ready for the Canadian Open. And, uh, Skeeter, before we jump into the Canadian Open, we always like to take a look back. This week, it was the Memorial. It was at Jack's Place there in Dublin, Ohio. Patrick Cantlay, the winner. I can't imagine we're taking very much from last week into this week, but maybe I'm wrong. Tell me. Um, no, no, I don't think so. Because it's a completely different field, but but let's and you know. Of course, right? Right. I mean, Patrick Cantlay dominant on the weekend, overcame Martin Keimer's uh, renaissance return, but Cantlay just kind of proven why he probably should be a serious contender. You know, top ten in the world, I believe he is now, and. It'll be a th- it'll be a factor out the U.S. Open where he's uh, from California. So, so I think that's the end of the recap. I would think. I think we have to hit hit on two uh, other topics that happened during the tournament. What, right. One involving you, one involving me. Um, uh, so do you want my misery first or your uh, your Thursday adventures first? You go ahead first. Okay. So, you know, Luke Lossie's uh, from Insider Baseball and Sirius XM. His bucket list, bucket list, is to have a no hitter in DFS where he chooses a guy, where an entire lineup that plays and they don't get, don't get any hits or walks. Now I was able to pull this one off two years ago. I had three walks and no hits, and he thought it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and then I think sure enough, somebody did it a couple weeks ago. Some random person I sent sent that to. I sent it to him immediately, and of course he loved it. Um, yeah, I, I saw that. So so. What was before the Memorial? Oh, the um, Charles Schwab Classic. I managed a one of six, which is like, oh well, that's that's my lowest ever. It'll be a while till I beat that. Nope, nope, zero out of six. And I don't want to rub salt in the wounds. Oh, go right ahead. Go right ahead. People made the cut that didn't make the cut in this field. Yeah, I know. I'm like, it's a hundred twenty man field. I still found a zero out of six. I mean, now granted, I think there were like three or four of them within like two shots of the cut, so. I was just like, are you kidding me? How, how do I manage this? Well, I, I feel your pain. I have yet to pull off that one. I actually had a couple six of sixes this week, which was the first time in a while I think I had multiple six of six, so I was pretty pumped about that. But uh, I feel your pain, but, um, you know, you got to take a few chances, and sometimes sometimes that, that turns into the magic potion, and sometimes it blows up in your face. It did this week, but that's all right, buddy. Right. So, so I post this. You know, I'm expecting a couple of buddies of mine who like to razz me a little bit or who wanted to continue arguing about Jordan Spieth, about, you know, long, not understanding long-term form and all that. So they're like, oh, that's impressive. I'm not sure I would have had the uh, the guts basically to uh, to uh, say that, to, uh, to say that I had that bad. Well, I was like, well, if I'm going to admit, you know, if I'm going to admit what I do well, I, you gotta, I, I have to also at least say when I don't do well. I, I I I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, nobody nobody is always right, and I trust somebody who's going to come up and uh, admit that they had a well, they had one blow up in their face, and so it's all right, buddy. But uh, we we're going to get we're going to get better this week, maybe, because when we get into this field, we're both I think a little apprehensive about this field. It's there's some there's some tears I I feel good about. There's some tears I don't really feel good about, but. Let's get into my Whoa, adventures. Oh, before Thursday we get into first. it, before we get into it, you you got to talk about your uh, Thursday. 
Yeah, so um, knowing I work outdoors, for those that are unaware, I have a, a lawn care company. So knowing that it had rained Wednesday, it was going to rain Thursday, and the, uh, the devil on the other side of this podcast was on my shoulder <laughs> saying, hey, go up there, go up there, which, by the way, I, I really uh, had a great time, so I'm glad you uh, kind of pushed me in that direction. Well, but, well there, was, yes. there was one reason I told you to go up there. Tuesday night, I get a text from Skeeter showing me that uh, that one Boo Weekly and one Charlie Hoffman are playing in the same group. I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's supposed to rain. Maybe I'll be able to catch them on TV. And, and then I was like, ah, they're, they're teeing off at 720. Coverage won't have started then. And uh, I was like, well, maybe I'll just DVR it. I'll watch the, the Friday round after I get home from work. And you were like, well... I got news for you. They're, they're probably not going to get very much, if any, TV coverage whatsoever. If you want to see them, why don't you just go up there? And I thought, well, it is only a two-hour drive. All right, why not? So I bought a ticket. I went up to the memorial, and uh, I think I left here at, like, 4.30. I live in Cincinnati, just about a two-hour drive to um, – just south of Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, but just about a two-hour drive to Columbus. Uh, so I left here about 4.30, went to Will Call. Got my ticket. Actually, they didn't have my ticket yet because I ordered it Wednesday night. And after about 10 minutes, I was like, can you just give me any ticket? The group I want to watch is already on the course now. Um, but what I was going to do was go to the zoo, park there, and then catch a shuttle to the front gate. Mm -hmm. I just so happened to be driving. There's a free parking sign. There are parking people on Muirfield Drive. Oh. And uh, I like, uh, you know, I look at this dude. I'm like, hey, I can park here, right? And he was with the sign work, and he's like, absolutely. I was like, well, where's the gate? He was like, right there. I happened to walk in at the 13th tee. There were gates all over the course, and Hoffman Weekly had teed off on 10. They were in the middle of 11. We're probably just teeing off on 11 when I walked in on 13. So instead of going all the way to the zoo, then waiting for a shuttle, then coming in at the entrance – and then having to chase them out through 10, 11, probably 12, 13, I caught them uh, in the middle of hole 11 and was able to walk from uh, walk with them from there. Uh, so, like, it just everything kind of fell in my lap in a perfect way between the weather holding in Columbus, but not, you know, but being washed out at work here, uh, just dumb luck that the, the gate was right there for me to basically walk in and be right on top of the group I wanted to follow. Uh, huge gallery, as you would imagine, Skeeter, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was basically, so there was like a handful of people besides me. Um, and as I told you before we started, one was an attractive young lady who I presume to be Adam Shank's girlfriend. I don't know that to be the case, but it's just my uh, assumption. There was a couple older than me, and the, the guy looked like he could be Charlie Hoffman's dad. I didn't bother him, didn't talk to him. Uh, but because we walked the same, well, 17 holes since I was a little uh, tardy getting my ticket, I overheard them talking. It most certainly was his father. And there was a bunch of, uh, so Charlie Hoffman's family was there. Right. As much as I talk about it here that I'm a Charlie Hoffman fan, I didn't want to harass these people. So I didn't really bother him or anything. But I had a great time following them. Um, it seemed like uh, Charlie and Boo, who we talk about are two of my faves, if not my two faves, seemed to like genuinely get along, which, um, in, as the uh, nerd fanboy that I am, made me very happy. And then in the second round, uh, second wave, I just sat around on hole number 12 and watched uh, par threes. People tee off there on that par three. I saw Tony Finau rinse a pair of balls. Yes, rinse. Uh, yes, yeah. you're using that word now. 
He put one in the water right in front of me. Uh, he came. He's looking for it. Like me and a couple other people, uh, the stat tracker guys were sitting right, right in front of me. Uh, or a uh, shot tracker. I'm sorry. I talked to them. It was kind of interesting just like talking to them about how that works too because these, uh, these guys kind of chart where it hits the green, but then they've also got three cameras that are triangulating on the green. Uh, it's a pretty neat uh, process that, that gets us this cool info. But So Finau's looking for his ball. And, uh, you know, me, the, the handful of people that are standing next to me. And there's a pretty big gallery on 12 at this point because there's two concession stands and a bathroom right there. So what else are you going to do in the afternoon watch people uh, golf? But uh, he's, we're like, no, nah, it's in the water. It's in the water. Like, man, you know, we, we're all like, we swear, it went in the water. So he goes back and uh, a gust of wind starts blasting from uh, behind the green. And so Finau puts his second one short, rinsed them both. Uh, but did get in for six after he put his fifth on. He won putt, so that was uh, good for him. Mm -hmm. Also saw Jason Day took out a uh, a patron. That's what my pass said. It didn't say fan. It said patron. Um, oh. So I I couldn't see the balls coming at the green from the tee. But this this kid that was working, I say kid. I mean he was an adult, but he's just younger than me. Uh, was was working the shot tracker, and he would look up and he would find the balls coming towards the green. I'm like, dude, you must have amazing vision. I was like, yeah, I'm wearing my contacts, so I'm supposed to be close to 2020. I don't see any of this. I'm reacting when you react, and he just kind of laughed. He's like, all right. And all of a sudden, he's kind of he would like kind of point up in the air, and this this time when Day tees off, he points up in the air and he's like, oh, that one's coming right at us, and he scrambles. So like everybody is doing what I'm doing, paying attention to this guy, and uh, this this gentleman was lucky enough to put his hand above his head. The ball hit his hand, not his head. Oh. He, did not, he did not spill his beer. Oh. Uh, the, the sound that it made when it hit his hand, it's not the same sound you hear when it hits the cart path, but, dude, you heard it. You know it had to hurt. Uh, the guy was not like, you know, he wasn't going over the top about it. People were, you know, he just wanted to watch golf people leave him alone. But, yep. you know, you could tell it had to hurt. Um, but then on the, the cool part of that guy's misery is I was literally standing like, three feet away from Jason Day when he hit his flop shot right there because, well, nobody else moves, so why would I? Did Jason Day at least give us, like, a signed glove or signed golf ball or anything? Not that I saw. So Day okay. went and played the hole. Um, he may have afterwards because I didn't see him. Like, there was a decent gallery because uh, Day sure. came through late on on uh, the afternoon, and that's, like, when Ricky came through and Finau, uh, Phil – um, so there was a big group there. I didn't see it, but I can't say he didn't. I don't know that he did not. Right. And, I, and that guy was not there very much longer. I think somebody from the course probably came by and said, um, we're taking you to get your hand x-rayed. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Let's go check this out. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, that was kind of, uh, that was kind of the excitement of, uh, Thursday. And then the drive home was miserable because <laughs> I, uh, I was falling asleep. Like literally I'm, I'm, I'm being completely honest i slapped myself in the face at one point because I, I thought i was going to fall asleep right you get some uh, it was fun yeah i i've been to john deere a few times and yeah it's fun to watch them and to see how good they are and you know you you always see them on tv or pictures and some of them are like a lot taller than you'd think or much more athletically built than you would ever realize. But, Charlie was definitely more athletically built. Like I said before, Keegan seemed uh, a little taller than I would have thought. What's funny is watching the caddies, too, because you don't see them a ton on TV. Mm -mm. And these, these caddies are all over the place, you know, from, like, 
fluff rolling by with that aged mustache. Um, I'm telling you, Hoffman, dude, Hoffman's caddy looked like he could he could smash some heads. He looked like he could bounce a bounce in a bar, and uh, you know because I had followed him throughout. We got to one point where I was getting a little rowdy. Just other, you know, people were just having fun, not necessarily paying attention to the golf. And he, he put out a quiet plea, which was a very golf polite thing. But, um, you know, the look on his face. Oh, and, and when Finau was on the practice range, that was the other one I wanted to mention. Uh, he's on the practice range. And I'm just hanging out, watching him chip some balls. And uh, there's not many people out there watching because this was actually outside um, like of the course. You couldn't see the course at all from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, two dudes roll up, and uh, Finau hits a chip. And this guy starts clapping. He's like, great chip, Tony. Great chip. He's like, you look great in all whites, which he had, like, black pants and a white shirt, but he had a white hat, too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So the guy's like, you look great. And Finau's cat, Finau reacts nothing. He, like, he didn't, he, he acts like he doesn't hear it. Finau's caddy looks at this dude like, beat it. Get out of here. Like, and it's just so funny watching how these caddies are, like, yeah, they're carrying the bag. They're, you know, kind of giving the guys an idea of what's going on with the course, the wind, the lie, the the break of the putt. But they're also, like, kind of bouncers, too. Um, they, yeah, they have to be. It's pretty funny watching that. Like, that was kind of a cool thing you wouldn't think about going and watching a tournament this thing. Yeah. That, no, that's awesome. That was I mean, a lot I mean, of fun. I mean, you, I, you know, I, I've, heard, I've heard some stories. I've read some articles. You basically have to be the, you have the right mentality to be a caddy because they're just they're a different breed. Yeah, I'm telling Boo Weekly's caddy, and you know I, I love him, and one of the reasons is because he's an outdoorsman, he loves fishing. I swear, Boo's caddy looked like uh, if he wasn't caddying for Boo, he'd he'd be like the first mate on a deep sea fishing boat. Beard, Ooh. sunglasses. Oh, I mean they're all wearing sunglasses, but I mean he just literally looked like a guy that. If you handed him a red snapper, he could fillet it in two minutes and hand you two nice fillets. It's just the way, I mean, maybe it's me associating him with weekly, but that's totally the feel I got from him. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. No, nah, it was a lot of fun, man. I'm, uh, I, would, I would definitely do it again. I already talked to some friends about maybe buying just a full week pass because it would only be about twice what the single day pass was. And, you know, either giving the tickets out for the days we can't make it or whatever. But I'm certainly thinking about doing it again next year. And maybe get in a hotel room so I can be one of the people sitting at uh, Old 12 drinking a beer instead of just eating a $6 lunch meat sandwich. Which, right. uh, concessions were not, concessions weren't crazy either, by the way. Well, that's good. I mean, probably not Augusta-like prices, but, uh... No, $6 for, you know, a decent, uh, ham and Swiss sandwich. I mean, it's just a, a ham and Swiss sandwich on bread with mustard. But... You know, six bucks isn't crazy. It's a, it was a two dollar sandwich. I mean, for like what I would stop and get at a gas station or something. But it also they also didn't charge me uh, the ninety plus dollars that I paid for the shirt I bought. <laughs> Which I'm looking at the price tag. I'm like, I just you just you want it, just buy it. So I did. Right. No, that's that's great. So uh, if I if I make it to John Deere this year, I hope I have this. I hope I have similar experiences as you. It was fun, man. It was fun. And and I would advise, if anybody listening uh, who tune in for DFS uh, <laughs> uh, content and is getting this instead, if you do it, I, I would advise maybe like in the morning when there's few people around, follow a group that doesn't have a lot of people. It's kind of serene and quiet. Um, and then maybe in the afternoon, follow in a gallery or something and get both experiences because both were fun. Uh, both were very enjoyable. 
Yeah, or, or, you know, even in the afternoon, if you're tired of walking, because these courses are long and hilly and things like That's that, just happens. go find a par three or par five or whatever your favorite hole is and have a seat and just watch from there. Yeah, that's what I did. And maybe bring a seat, too, so you don't have to buy one or just sit in the grass like I did because I didn't want to buy a chair. I already spent 90 bucks on a shirt. Right, right. I don't blame you there. But, well, I reckon I'm ready to get into this field. Let's turn it over to the Canadian Open. Um, I guess first things first, let's talk about this course. Um, this tournament hasn't been held there since 2012. So I don't know how much, if at all, we can really rely on course history. And when we look at the, 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 the statistics here, par 70, under 7,000 yards, just by hair, 69-67. But um, definitely one of the shortest courses we've seen in some time. I can't say I've been keeping track all year long, but it's probably one of the shorter courses uh, that's been out there this year, right, for total yardage. Yeah, I'm, I want to say there's one other course, and it might be... I'm going to look this up as we're chatting here. Might be, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name, uh, River Highlands, where they host the Travelers week after the U.S. Open. Maybe that one is shorter. There might be a, a short one on the fall swing, but, um, but yeah, it's not. It's not a long course. Um, I actually, I, so I've never seen it. I actually went to the website. They have flyby videos of the, of the hole, so I just kind of wanted nice. to take a look to see what it was, and, I didn't see much water. I think there were some cricks, but um, nothing real big as far as water. It actually kind of looks kind of straightforward. Um, not a ton of dog legs from what I saw. There are some trees, but again, they're, it's not like Heritage where they're basically right on top of the fairway, so there's room to miss. Um, back in 2012, the rough was considered long, but the greens were considered very slow. So that's something I'm going to try to look for this week to see if there's any, you know, if, if how they're going to play this course seven years later. Because if, if that's the case again this year, I mean, I think this is a scores fest. Uh, even when they were at um, Glen Abbey, I think it was typically 15 to 20 under one this event. So this is not, you know, like a U.S. Open where they're trying to, basically hope that you're on par. They will give you a chance to score here. And this course just doesn't look overly tough for professionals. Um, I think Piercy won at minus 17 back in 2012 as well. So that's kind of where I am with that. Um, okay. I think the bigger issue right now is today, we're, we're recording this Monday night, so I guess we have to clarify that one. Today was U.S. Open sectional qualifying so I would expect by Tuesday night some golfers who, who made it into the U.S. Open to withdraw. This typically happens every year. Um, so I'm not I, I, like I haven't even tried to set up a lineup yet because I just don't know who's going to withdraw and I don't want to go through that exercise. I mean we'll throw out some picks here tonight, but don't be surprised if Wednesday James and I are making changes to our favorite plays either because they've withdrawn or something else has come up, so, but, you know, a week before a major always brings up the narrative that some people are scared that a golfer is going to withdraw so they can get a head start in the major course, and I'm not factoring that in, I mean, look, it, you know, maybe if Justin Thomas shoots 77 on Thursday, he might say, all right, screw it, I'm done, but, you know, I think the example I used on my fantasy fixing articles is, 
if Sergio's three under and eight back going into the weekend, he's not withdrawing to go to Pebble. I mean, he's going to play this out. So, and like even in the Justin Thomas case, and I'm just using him as a theoretical name. If he shoots 77, you're probably not doing anything with that lineup anyway. So, I wouldn't get too bothered by who may or may not leave early for the U.S. Open. You know, if they're teeing off Thursday, I think they're playing. I think the other advantage here is that the U.S. Open is at Pebble. A lot of them have played that through the Pebble Beach Pro-Am or know the course, so I'm not sure they're as worried about course prep as if it was, at, like, say, Shinnecock Hills or or um, Aaron Hills a few years ago or uh, Chambers Bay, you know, courses that they don't see very often. So I wouldn't worry about that. These younger golfers have probably played Pebble Beach thousands of times on their PlayStations or Xbox, too, really. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, do they? is that the same as playing it? No, but... I mean, they legitimately probably know the course as well as many, any because that's one of those courses that's been on all the Tiger Woods games. And I've even seen online some younger golfers commenting how, I think it was Beth Page Black. Yes. Like, I paid this, uh, I forget who it was, and I wish I remembered it. It was Dobbin or Mitchell, I think. It might have been Keith Mitchell. I think you are right. Uh, it might have been Connors, too. Yeah, it was, I don't know. Now I'm just saying, yeah, that sounds right to any name you throw what out. One of the youngsters um, who just recently won this year, I know. Well, Dominic yeah. hasn't won, but... But was competing for a win. Yeah, but they were like, oh, I've played this course hundreds of times. This will be the first time I actually play it, though. So I don't know how much that makes a difference uh, as far as who's going to withdraw. We already saw that uh, Joel Dominic has withdrawn uh, from this one. Sung Kang and... has. Um, I think there were a couple others, but yeah. So I have to say, don't... If you're listening to this Tuesday morning or late Monday night, as soon as we post it, do not get comfortable with your lineups because there could be some changes coming. Yeah, definitely make sure you look back, uh, you know, at the very worst Wednesday night, Thursday morning if you can. So Pebble Beach, by the way, when they play for the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, 6,800 yards. Um, in fact, all the courses they play for the Pro-Am are below 7,000 yards. Sea Island with the RSM, that's uh, 6,900. That's a very sh short course. El Chameleon down in Mayakoba. That's 6,900. So, this is short. I mean, this is right up there among the shortest, but th there there have been some other courses that have been, you know, below 7,000 yards. This is actually, believe it or not, the only par 70 that's below 7,000. There's a couple of them are par 72s. Um, wow. I know Pebble for the U.S. Open, I think, is going to play 7,000 or 7,100. It'll be a par 71. The second hole will play as a par 4, not a 5. Okay. But that's, that's I guess, more next week. So, um... Yeah, I don't know, you know, comparison course. Again, we haven't seen this in seven years. For some re reason, I keep thinking Heritage because it's a shorter course, but a little more open than that. Maybe Colonial a little bit, but I don't know what my comp course here is. Maybe one of these fall events like the RSM or something, but I just, I don't know. It's been seven years. I wasn't really following golf that closely back then, so... I don't know if I have a good course comparison. The course history, again, is extremely limited. And before we get into the picks, my first thought when I saw the pricing on DraftKings was, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a tough week. <laughs> I looked at uh, earlier today when I was still at work, and, like, I, I did not know that Piercy won here at, at Hamilton Country Club seven years ago. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I was like, Piercy up to ninety three hundred. What the heck is going on? I with this was hoping boat? he was. I was. I was hoping. Like, please do not be in the eight Ks, because then everybody's going to use them, and he still might be popular. Because again, 
the top of the, the top of this field is great. The yeah, I think four of the top six in the world are here. But boy, once you get below, man, once you get below possibly eighty eight hundred, there's a couple names. But man, this is I mean, this is a there's not much depth to this field. And it's 156 golfers. There are some Canadians who have qualified because it is their national championship. So, you know, Joey Savoy, I think, has played here a few times before. Um, Marc Etienne Boussieres, and I'm going to butcher that because I don't speak French. Oui, oui. He's played here before. Ryan Yip, I think. Chris, Chris Logo. Those are guys who I've just seen randomly as I was doing the tournament history file. So, um, for me, I, I'm just, right now... I'm looking at a one lineup approach because I just this is just there's a lot I think bal I think a lot of people are gonna go balanced and I've just kind of figured out I'm not going balanced just because I think everybody will so I want to be different and I'll save some money for uh, the U.S. Open next week. All right, well, um, so Skeeter and I are gonna do something a little bit different. I mean, we find ourselves going through the entire field almost, and uh, so we're gonna try something different. We're gonna go in the tiers. Um, we've got five tiers, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, uh, the, the thousands. And so we're going we're gonna to give a play we like, we dislike, and one that we'll probably use, but it's not our favorite. And uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm certain there will be a name or two that's mentioned besides just those strict and hard three. But um, let's just give it a whirl. So let's start with the 11, I'm sorry, the 10K plus. Um, which is maxed out at 11.9, where DJ's at is the top price golfer. And uh, let's just start there, Skeeter. I guess let's go to you. And which is your favorite play in this tier? For me, it's DJ. Um, granted, I don't, I don't think he played here in 2012. I don't think so either, but I won't swear to it. No, he did not. No. But, I mean, he Great. played really well here. I mean, in the Canada, again, most of these, I believe, are all at Glen Abbey. First, second, eight, second, eighth, um, defending champion of this event, has also played very well the week before a U.S. Open. Um, this this event used to be the Memf the uh, FedEx or the St. Jude Classic, the FedEx St. Jude down in Memphis. He won that last year, and he's always played very well down there. So he he's not afraid to play well or try to win the week before a U.S. Open. Uh, when I look at my stats, he's literally top seven in every stat I'm looking at. First in greens and regulation. First in DraftKings points, second tee to green, fifth in approach, seventh in opportunities gained, uh, first in DraftKings points. So, I mean, the top three are clearly the top three. I'm kind of banking on DJ being a little under-owned just because of this price and the lack of depth once we get into the sixes and sevens. So, I think for that reason, he's my favorite play, and I'm just always a DJ guy anyway. I don't have a whole lot to add to that because my favorite play is also DJ. Right. I still have him left in our use him in, you know, one and done league. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel too. like I should probably save him for next week, but I feel, you know, I mean, you said pick a winner out of this field. I'm going to give you Dustin. Uh, a, long, a short course with not a lot of dog legs where he can just bomb it and just use his distance to advantage to have little wedges into the green. I mean, I understand that. Shorter players have an advantage in that they don't have long second shots either. But, I mean, there, there's going to be times where Dustin's, you know, just hitting 
easy, not even full wedges, I'll, I'll take that DJ. So for me, he's pro he's my favorite play in the tier as well. Um, for my, we'll go, we'll go with that as a guy we would, an, another guy I would use. Well, to be honest with you, there's a couple guys I would use, but Matt Kuchar is probably the guy I would edge out over Rory McIlroy just a little bit for the guy I would use. I know he didn't make the cut. I know his good guy image is starting to take a little bit of a hit because he was complaining about it. And I didn't see it, but I was actually listening to it on the uh, way home on the radio. It happened after all the golfers had moved through hole 12 where I set up shop. Mm -hmm. uh, he was asking for relief, and then he didn't like the ruling, so he got a second ruling. He didn't like the second ruling, so then he was asking for a third ruling. Uh, he did not get that third ruling. He was told to hit his ball where it laid. He actually made par anyway. Um, all that aside, I'm not sure what all that means, except for the fact that maybe he's not as good of a good guy as we maybe were led to believe. Look, he didn't make the cut at the Memorial, but he didn't miss the cut by a ton, and he's been on such a tear before that. I'll take Matt Kuchar as the guy I would play um, if I was going to a second golfer or didn't quite have the 10-11-9 that DJ cost Kuchar only 10-5. Yeah, so you know what? He, I mean, I have two guys I'm, I would not play. He's actually one of them. Um, Uh-oh. So, and I don't, and I'm, I'm looking this up now. He looked completely disinterested last week. Like, he didn't, I mean, I, I, I didn't get to watch a whole lot, but just kind of watching the shot tracker a little bit, what some people were saying, he looked like he didn't want to be there. In fact, he only had two birdies, which is very rare for Kuchar. Um, you know, maybe it's a slight narrative there. He's also here because he's a, he's a member of RBC, and they're the, they're the title sponsor. So... Maybe I'm just overplaying this a little bit too much. I mean, obviously, stat-wise, he's still good. I But I can see a lot of people just going right back to him at 10-5. It's a significant discount in a, in a week where there's not a whole lot of value. I can see people going to him, but I just... He's not one who's on my radar this week. Who's the other guy you wouldn't play? I wouldn't play Thomas. Um, okay. I th he's, a late ad he's a late add to this. I think he's just playing just to try to get some rounds in prior to the U.S. Open. That's not to say that he's not going to try to win, but I'm not sure that's his primary goal. I think his goal is just to try to work out some of the kinks. And at 10,000, I don't really want to play somebody trying to work out the kinks. If this is full Justin Thomas at 10,000, I'm playing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course. And, you know, I was talking about what a, what a discount he was last week. Well... DraftKings probably knows a little bit more than I do in their algorithms and whatnot because he did not make the cut. Uh, Thomas is actually my – I would not play him in this tier as well. The, the 80 in round two, uh, you know, that's not missing the cut by a little bit. That's an 80. I mean, that course is tough. I'm not going to tell you I could go up there and shoot in the 80s. Uh, but I think I might know somebody. that could. You know, like there might – I think there's one or two guys in my league that could have gone up there and shot close to 80 from where, where they, they were at. at. Mm -hmm. Even now, these guys are scratch golfers in my league. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not they're not uh, plus four or five handicaps. But I don't know. The 80, for me, I just, I'm staying away from Thomas is, is my definite not play. So we definitely differ on Kuchar. We agree on Johnson. We agree on Thomas. So there's two guys left in this tier. Who is the one you would play if you didn't play DJ, whether it was money or just, you know, I doubt you're going to find a way to get two of these guys in your lineup. 
No, that would be that would be bold. In fact, could you even pull that off? You play DJ and Rory. Yeah, you could. You have sixty-seven twenty-five left. Um, could. I mean, if you got sure you to six Ks. Uh, Rory for me is the other guy. I mean, I know okay. he missed last week, and I, he burned a lot of people on that. But he wasn't. I mean, I think he just barely missed. He been he's been playing so well all year. He, he was, was plus, plus two, two in the college plus, plus one. one. So, yeah, he, he just, just missed. missed. He lost uh, 1.6 off the tee, 1.5 putting. He gained 1.2 in approach. So, that's not alarming for me. Everybody's going to miss a cut every now and then. The fact he missed it on a number. <coughs> Sorry. Still, his approach game was pretty good. I'm fine with that. Uh, he's still first in opportunities game. He's still first tee to green. Second in DraftKings points. Again, top seven in every stat I look at. So... At 11-2, I think that's a significant enough discount from Brooks that if DJ, for whatever reason, is getting really popular, I have no problem pivoting to Rory. All right, well, let's, let's go to the next tier, 9K tier, and uh, probably should do this for the higher-end tiers where there's not that many golfers. Uh, so the 10, 10K plus tier, DJ was 11-9, Kepka's 11-7, McElroy's 11-2, Kuchar's 10-5, Thomas is 10-even. Uh, so the, the five guys in the 9K tier, we'll throw out real quick before we get to them. Webb Simpson is 9,700. Sergio Garcia, 9,500. Scott Piercy, 9,300. That's somewhat of a surprise to me. Henrik Stenson, 9,100. Brent Snedeker, 9K even. Uh, Skeeter, I'll turn it right back to you. Who is the guy that is your favorite player in this tier? I can't say I love this tier, but for me, it's, it's Stenson. He God, continued... Same as me. Oh, man. Sometimes we're on the same page, and apparently so far we are. Um, now, if, you, now if we're the same the next three, I'm really going to wonder what's going on, because we don't discuss this beforehand. Correct. But with, with, with Stenson, he keeps gaining so many strokes on approach. Like, even at Memorial, he gained 4.4 strokes on approach. He lost two strokes putting. He's losing a little bit off the tee. But on a short course, he can rely on that trusty little three-wood of his to be able to find every fairway. You know, so that, that gives me some comfort. He's first in approach, all this over 24 rounds, fifth tee to green, eighth in greens regulation, ninth in par four from 400-450 because there's seven of them. And he's also pretty cheap in his 9K tier. Like, I think he's a better play than Piercy. Mm-hmm. I'll take the discount for Sergio, who I'm probably still mm-hmm. burning because I've played the first two majors of the year. And Webb just isn't really in great form. So, Stetson 9100 is my favorite. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll just add to that because he, he is my favorite, favorite too. I mean, you know, so if you, you look, look at some of the, the like, just the on-the-surface on the stats as you're setting lineups, you know, you know 9, 9 of 13 cuts, but those missed cuts are a while in the past now. 56.3 drafting point average. But, but he's, he's going, going much higher than that recently. recently. I mean, 69 at the Memorial, 41 and a half at the PGA Championship, but that was a tied 48 for the record. Like, you know, that was a tough Beth Page Black, and people did not put up a lot of drafting points that week. No. Uh, 89 at the Byron Nelson, 66 and a half. Wells Fargo, 67 and a half at the Masters, 61 at Valspar. So he's been putting up, you know, mid-60s or better, about 10 points higher than what you see there. So I think, you know, just the average guy's pushing in the lineup. They, they maybe, maybe missed that a little bit. bit. Um, so, so I'll add that to Stenson. The guy's making the cuts recently. The shorter course, as you pointed out, lets him hit the three wood and still keep himself in play without, you know, really 
hurting distance-wise. And this is a guy who's won a major before, and there's no reason to think that he can't go out and win a tournament still. So for me, is uh, Stenson as well. And it was actually very close between him and the guy I will say Stenson's my favorite, but the guy that I would also use is Webb Simpson. It was very close between those two. Uh, Webb Simpson has been doing really well, really, since he didn't make the cut at Valspar. But he was 16th at the Players before that, 5th at the Masters, since then 16th and 18th and a 29th at the PGA Championship. Uh, in this field, Webb Simpson, and again, it, it's, a, it's a shorter course, so Webb doesn't have to uh, hang with the likes of Brooks and DJ to make things happen. Uh, so Webb Simpson, a guy that I would also play, and I'm certain I will. Yeah, I don't think he's bad. This does feel like a good course for him. Um, has been decent. Has been doing well off the tee. Has been doing well on approach. Uh, PGA, he just struggled around the green, but everything else has kind of been okay. My problem is, I just don't know if I want to pay 9,700 for him in this field. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we have to adjust our prices at, at some point, but um. You know, outside of being 7th in DraftKings points and 12th in Tita Green, he doesn't really... I mean, he's slightly above average in some of these other categories, so he'd be the one I'm most comfortable in because, I, as I said, I'm just not playing Sergio. Snedeker's not playing well enough for me to kind of want to go here. He's another RBC guy. Um, my fade is Scott Piercy. Um, of course, if I, if, I, if I haven't been on his bandwagon yet, so I'm not going to jump on here. And, and you were wondering, like, why in the world is Scott Piercy 9,300? Well, that's because he's the last one to win here at Hamilton seven years ago. So, when I look at his recent stats, too, he past two tournaments, the 19th at Schwab and 41st at PGA, he lost strokes on approach. He's actually gained strokes putting his past four tournaments. And Scott Piercy and putting, hot putting, usually don't mix, so... This could be like a temporary hot streak. And if he continues it, then by all means. I think this is more of a, I think he will get a lot of ownership because he's been playing well and he's the defending champ. And that and that alone is enough for me to want to fade him. I will not play, I probably won't play Snedeker. Um, but I will not play Sergio Garcia. They were my bottom two uh, as far as ranking this, this tier. I mean, Sergio, okay, he finished fourth at Wells Fargo. Didn't make a cut at PGA, didn't make a cut at the Masters. I get it. Easier course, different field, still missed cuts. Uh, 54th at Valspar. Um, you know, when Sergio was playing well, I go back to February. That's when it was. So, for me, I'm not playing Sergio, and that's the reason why. It sounds like you and I are both probably uh, in agreement. It sounds like you're not playing Sergio, Piercy, or Snedeker. No. Now, before we move on to the 8Ks, here's my question. What price does Sergio have to be at the U.S. Open before you play him? Because I don't want to play him just because he's missed a cut in, I think, like six or seven straight majors. But, man, if he's sitting there at 7500 I'm probably going to be a sucker and go right back to him. I mean, I mean what, what was, was his price, price at the Masters? Masters? I played him a lot there. 79 And, obviously, that didn't pan out. out. That sounds about right. I mean, he wasn't in the high, you know, he wasn't a high-priced guy there. Let me pull this up on mobile. I really wish the desktop side of DraftKings would still include their previous pricing. Oh, it does if you look at it on your phone. Yeah, so... I did not know that. I'll look that up while we go on to the 8Ks. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you, you look, look that up, up and, and, and um, by the way, the answer is probably I won't play them. Um, maybe if I play 12 lineups, I'll use them once, but uh, let's, the, we'll get into the AK tier. Uh, we'll run the prices down real quick on these guys. We won't do it on the sevens and the sixers too many, but in the AK tier, Bubba Watson's 8,900. Furyk is 88, Duffner 87, Shane Lowry 86, Keegan Bradley 85, Bud Cauley 84, Adam Adwin 83, Ryan Palmer 82, Austin Cook 8100, and two guys at 8K even is Beardard and Berger. Okay, yeah, I got it. Uh, Sergio was 79 at the uh, as okay. at Masters, 77 at uh, PGA. PGA. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what he'd have to be to play him. I mean, they're not—they're not going to put him much cheaper than that in the U.S. Open. I wouldn't think, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know what his pebble history is, but so I, I probably will not be using them. But let's get into the AK tier. Let's see if you use the same guy. Um, and I'll just be really honest with you here. I'll lie if you don't, because uh, I'm not giving you the same favorite play for the third tier in a row. Oh no! no. Well, here, here. Why don't you start then? <laughs> you start. I will tell you if it's the same or not. Um, well, it's not Adam Hadwin, but it should be because it's Canadian. Uh, my favorite play is Bubba Watson in this tier. And it's a lot of the same things with uh, Dustin Johnson as far as just being able to hammer it. You know, hopefully what you said about the rough not being as long uh, allows Bubba to get a little bit wild and still find the greens. I feel like this is a course where Bubba can, as you like to say, bomb and gouge. Uh, I feel like this is one for Bubba. I will say this. I don't really like this tier as a whole. I don't either. Um, I don't think we like much of anything after the 10K plus, and we can't play them all. No. My, see, my problem with Bubba is, and this is probably a little bit of a bias against me, I will only play him on courses that he does well at or historically has played well at. Um, But statistically, he's been okay. He missed the cut of, I mean, now, this is amazing. He missed a cut on the number at, at the PGA. In two rounds, he gained 6.5 strokes tee to green. He lost 6.8 putting. Like, that's hard to do in two rounds. So, I know Bubba's not necessarily the best putter, but losing right. 6.8 seems like an anomaly. So, I don't mind the play. 7th tee to green, 21st DraftKings points, 26 screens of regulation. He does feel a little cheap compared to some others here, but... Just not for, and I don't know, I won't use him, but I, I understand the case. For me, my favorite play, and I can't believe, I mean, if you would have told me a month ago I was considering this guy as my favorite play, I probably would have said you're nuts, but he only been playing really sneaky well recently. Maybe not sneaky because he keeps finding his name on top of the leaderboard, especially after a couple rounds. Jason Duffner. Duffner. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I mean... Gaining 6.8 strokes on approach to Memorial, 5.3 at Wells Fargo. Uh, Schwab, he was a little more reliant on the putter and off the tee, but not terrible. And he's not a real long hitter, so this course should fit him well. When I look over the 24 rounds on Duffner, 6 in greens of regulation, 13th in approach in DraftKings points, 14th tee to green. He's top 30 in every stat I look at. 8700 feels expensive, but he's starting to find some form here. I don't think he qualified either for the U.S. Open today. I, I didn't think he did. I, I took a quick list, but I don't remember everybody. So, Hunter's not a terrible price for him in this field, so he's, he'd be my play in this tier. I, I would agree with you that I would play him. Um, he's, he's not, not going to be my 
the guy I would also play. I'm basically making that my number two. Who's your number two in this tier? The guy is somebody you would also play. I hate playing him, especially after last week, but here we go again. If greens are going to be slow and putting's not going to matter much, and this is a, if this is the approach, then it's back to Keegan Bradley. Um, second approach, fifth opportunities gained, ninth tee to green, tenth in greens regulation. I mean, like at this point, if you're playing Keegan, you just got to understand it's either last play, you know, he's either missing a cut glorious fashion. Like I think he, I think he was like four over at a back nine last week to miss the, to miss the cut by one or two in full Keegan mode. Or he's just going to be contending, and he's got the talent in this field to top oh, yeah. 10 the approach game. If the greens are not tricky at all, this is a, this seems like a perfect Keegan Bradley track. I would play Keegan, but my also would play is Jim Furyk. And I feel disgusting saying that. I will say that. I mildly heckled him after he uh, finished hole number 12 and, and went away. I don't even know if he knows what who day means, which is what Bengals fans cheer. Oh, totally why. Yes, Bengals fans cheer that. Furyk's a, a Steelers fan. Um, and the Steelers-Bengals. I don't know if the Steelers hate the Bengals the way the Bengals hate the Steelers because the Steelers win so much more often. But Bengals fans despise the Steelers. So, at any rate, I did heckle Jim Furyk after he finished the hole. I was quite enough to wait until he was done. But, uh, look, I mean, a shorter course, this is an older guy who's been playing pretty darn good. Yeah, he missed a couple of cuts at the PGA and the RBC Heritage. But take that away, and I know you can't, but take it away. And he's got a lot of top 30s, top 35s. Uh, Jim Furyk's playing really good. And, again, this is a course where if he doesn't have to out, try to out-hit Dustin Johnson or even Bubba Watson, I think Jim Furyk can certainly find himself top 15, top 20 again here. No, I, I think it's a good fit. I mean, it makes sense for him. He's been playing well. Fourth in greens of regulation, ninth in approach, 15th tee to green. Uh, it all makes sense. And I would also play Adam Hadwin because he's Canadian, so I can guarantee you I'll have an Adam Hadwin uh, Are you going to play an all-Canadian lineup? You I might see. I didn't see my boy Mike Weir in the field, but I, have to, I might have to go back and look. No, uh, I mean, you don't have to leave salary on the table because I believe that Hadwin is the most expensive Canadian player. <laughs> Connors, you play um, Roger Sloan, I know, Nick Taylor. Um, oh, there's somebody blanking on his name right now. Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes. Somebody, I will, I will I probably not play an all-Canadian lineup. Now, now, you know, if we, we had, had Mike Weir, if we had Graham DeLette, then I'd think about it. Graham DeLette would be, yeah, hopefully he comes back from his injury here soon. David Hearn was the guy I was thinking of. That's also Canadian. And you can find some real cheap 6K guys that are Canadian, too, because it's sort of the local open. All right, who are you not playing this 8K tier? I mean, it's hard, it's hard to pick to somebody and just say I flat out wouldn't, wouldn't play them because I can find some decent results for all of them. Um, um, I don't know. I, I guess, guess I'm not playing Austin Cook. It's who I'm not playing in this tier. Yeah. At 8,100. Um, his last two times out, the Memorial is 27th, and Charles Schwab was 19th. Uh, but the three previous to that were all missed cuts. Uh, then he had a ninth at the Valspar. Then he had two more missed cuts before that. So I don't want to say, like, maybe he's found it with those last two two events. But before that, it had been so bad that I think I'll just stay away from him in this tier. And, you know, if I want a piece of some cheap action, maybe it's Beauregard. Not that I love him, but 
you know, yeah, or, or it's Adam Hadwin at 8,300 instead of Austin Cook at 81. Yeah, Cook, very good to scoring stats, very bad the approach stats. So, uh, for me, it's Daniel Berger. Um, just, I mean, his best finish so far outside the Puerto Rico Open was 23rd. In recent events, and he's just not doing anything spectacularly great or spectacularly bad. And 8,300, I'm hoping for something. Or eighty-two, or I'm sorry, no, I'm off my price. Eight thousand, even. So, just just not enough there for me that I'd want to pay eight thousand for even in this field. Um, you know, if he tops twenty-five, that's fine, but that's maybe his upside right now until he 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 shows you a little more consistency in one field. Let's take, take it, it to, to the seven Ks, and I'm not going to go through every name here. There's a whole whole bunch of them, but we'll, we'll just start with who we like the best. best. Uh, there's, uh, there's two names that stand out for me, a little bit above the rest, but this is 7K. None of them are great. Who do you like as your top play in this tier? I'm so mad I didn't play him at the PGA. Because, I, I don't mean, he was 1% owned. I love playing this guy the few times I play Euro because he's a big scorer. And plus, I also think it's just cool to say his initials. Eric Van Royen, otherwise known as EVR. He gained 5.6 strokes on approach at the PGA, finished 8th. I believe he's highly world-ranked, and I, I I think he might be top 50 uh, world-ranked. Uh, no, he's not top 50. That's that's a little too generous on Van Royen. And I, I want to know, he's who, was, who was in the maiden Denmark, Denmark field? Because he, he didn't make the cut. cut. Uh, I don't I think Beauregard made the cut either. Like, And, and these, these are guys that are higher priced than here. That must have been some field at that maiden Denmark. The maiden Denmark. Was maybe one, maybe uh, not. Oh, I'm just oh, those two didn't make the cut. Here's a name from a couple of years ago who is kind of complete. Who kind of went through some slumps and but he's starting to make a comeback. Bird Wiesberger. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know if he's the sole reason they didn't make the cut, but no, I just thought it was odd looking at those uh, those guys. No, like, looking at the field, it doesn't look real strong. Lee Whitewood. Um. Matthew Southgate, yeah. Alexander Bjork, Thomas Peters, University of Illinois guy. Um, no, it just wasn't a great field, so it just must have been a bad week for them. I mean, fair enough. I think they looks like looks like Van Royen might have missed right on the number. Who was the other guy that you said missed? Beerguard didn't, didn't make it either. Beerguard and uh, Thorbjorn too. Oh wow. Oh man, this Beerguard is is Danish. Not, Not that that, that means, means a whole So, so lot. Storby Orn, so, uh, no, Burns, uh, Austrian, but, um, yeah, so this just, oh, man, this would have been, weird, this would have been an interesting six to six weeks playing Euro, because nobody would have had that one, but, um, <laughs> all right, enough about, enough about the Made in Denmark, uh, presented by Frasia tournament. Uh, no, the EVR, he, he's a score. I mean, even in limited rounds, he's seventh in DraftKings points, tenth in birdies are better. But even if you look at Euro Tour stats, he's typically up there in the scoring stats. This seems like it could be a, tip, a type of tournament where you um, could score a lot. 7,800, top 100 in the world. I don't mind him here. My favorite play, and I was really afraid you were going there when you started talking Euros. And I was like, no way we're going to have the same one again. Is Graham McDowell. Um, okay, 73rd at the Charles Schwab Challenge is not great. But before that, 29th at PGA, he was 48th at RBC Heritage, 7th at Valero. Granted, it was kind of the secondary field, but he won the Coral, Coral's Punta Cana uh, Club Championship. 
And uh, Graham's been playing pretty good lately. And maybe I'm falling into a trap here with this narrative, but he's a little bit of an older guy. He doesn't bomb it the way some of these young guys do. He doesn't have to on this, on this course. He's made 13 of 14 cuts, had two top tens. Um, I don't know, Graham McDowell looks like a really good play at 7,600 for me. Really good putter, but his approach right now off the tee just not great. Um, so I won't play him for that reason. But again, this does seem like a decent course fit for him. I just don't like the form. If you're not liking him, who else would you play besides EBR? I'll mention a couple names here since there's a lot in the 7K range. They're kind of okay. they're actually at the same price in the mid 7K range. Um. Nick Watney has been playing pretty well recently, and he's another guy that I watch. I'll probably miss the boat on him. But um, 31st at Wells Fargo, barely missed at Byron Nelson, 8th at Schwab, 22th at Memorial. He's gaining strokes on approach and off the tee in all events. Um, Byron Nelson, really, just, he lost three strokes putting. Charles Schwab, he lost four strokes putting. If he actually makes a putt, he might win the tournament. So he's showing some good form at 7,500. I can go back to Watney and... You know, if we're talking about Canadians, again, this is a high upside, high, low downside play, but Corey Connors is just going to continue to rate out statistically. He killed me in weekend golf because I had him on a pretty good on my pretty good weekend lineup, but just didn't do anything on approach. Was bad around the green. But he's got the he's got the tournament upside that if you want to take a flyer down here, he's a pretty good tournament play. Third in greens regulation, eighth in approach, thirteenth in T to green. 3500 for this upside, you got to be able to risk the, the downside of Corey Connors, but there's your local Canadian narrative. I could get, get behind that. You know that's a fact. fact. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out a couple, too. Jimmy Walker, when they played here in 2012, he did okay, not great. I think he was inside the top 30, yeah, 28. He's been playing decent as of late. Um, Alex Noren is a guy that I'll take a peek at as well. Um, he's been playing pretty good, not like lighten it up, but he's making cuts. The players is the last time he didn't make the cut in March. Um, not exactly, as I said, tearing it up, but doing pretty good. And the other guy I was looking at was Malnati. Find him down here at the bottom here. I looked at him. Um, I didn't. He didn't. He didn't make my list, but I gave him a hard look. 17th last week at the Memorial, 40th at Charles Schwab. Uh, a little bit of a rough stretch, 72nd at Byron Nelson. Didn't make a cut at Wells Fargo, but... 16th at RBC Heritage, 23rd at Valero. Uh, so Peter Monotti uh, is another guy I'll take a peek at. So there's a couple that I was interested. By the way, Melnotti rates out top 10 very short term in my model. 9th over 8 rounds, 10th over 4 rounds, even 22nd over 12 rounds. So if you want to play the form, it's not horrible. Yeah, I think I, I, think I probably will. Um, I have one other guy that I starred, and I'll probably end up using because I'll need the price. 7100 Cameron Fingali. He um, was a name. He played really well here, granted, in 2012, but he had a good round in 2012 as well back here, didn't he? Was horrible. Yeah, he was 19. Okay. Was horrible at Wells Fargo, but 23rd at Byron Nelson, 17th at Valero. He gained strokes and approach both times. Was okay putting. Actually, gained strokes putting both times. Okay off the tee. You know, consistency at the, in this field at 7,100 isn't exactly a thing, but, you know, that decent performance seven years ago, showing a little bit of form here. I mean, 
I, you know, I'll probably be sweating him on Friday if I use him, but mm-hmm. I don't mind him at 7,100. All right, that, that leaves us with guys that we are not going to play. Uh, I'll let you go first. You know, I, I realize there's a time coming where he's probably going to win, but I think maybe we've seen the introduction of him kind of fade away right now, and he's just not in good form, but it's Sung J.M., uh, lost five strokes in approach at the Memorial. As, in fact, he's lost strokes in approach his past four four tournaments. He's just, he's in a funk right now, and sometimes we see these young players, they, they come out firing well, but then they just hit a wall for whatever reason. Um, you know, even when I look at my model, 115th in approach, 113th in opportunities gained. I understand this is a weak field, and that, you know, he could potentially take advantage, but 7,900... He's just not good enough form for me to want to go with him right now. All right. The, the guy, guy I am uh, not going to play is somebody I have touted a little bit in the past because uh, he's a Kentucky and I'm a Kentucky. I nearly used him too. It's J.B. Holmes. Uh, look, I mean, I've been talking about how some of these long hitters can just take, you know, take the course away from themselves and, and get up there close, use the wedge. I think JB actually had a good round here. Yeah, he was 15. Again, going all the way back to 2012, but he was 15. But JB hasn't made the cut in three straight outings. The last time, two times he made the cut, 62nd, 71st. Then he missed two cuts before that. And then he won the Genesis Open going back in February. But since then, he has legitimately done nothing outside of barely making cuts and barely finishing. I just can't play JB Holmes, uh, you know. Hopefully some people will see that the last time I was here, he was 15th, and he'll get some high ownership that will that will be better for me and uh, anyone else who doesn't use him. Let me let me fire one uh, one name at you because I'm I'm just interested. Danny Willett looked uh, like he was starting to find it a little bit here at the Memorial Tournament. His Sunday was not the best, but um, and in, and he was 41st at the PGA Championship. He's only 7400. He has won a major before. Is Danny Willard a guy you would dare play? You know, I looked at him. Um, not, I'm not using him. He's not a terrible play. Gain, I mean, he, I like his stats for the Memorial better than I do the PGA, but again, this seems like another course that could, he could be a decent course fit. Um, I don't think he's a worse flyer here because he's been playing a little bit better this year. I mean, he's better than some of these other guys around him, like, I don't know if he should be the same price as, you know, I know Matt Everett's been playing well in Cage Lee through two rounds, but I don't mind it. I just, it, not for me, but I get, I, I understand the play. Okay, fair, fair enough. enough. Uh, uh, so, so we, we did, did all, all three, three there in the 7K. We've, We've got, got one, one tier left. It's the 6K, 6K tier. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that the guys, guys we would, would not play in this tier are about 95% of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot, a lot of these guys, guys which I'm sure Canadians that made the, the tournament, they don't even have any, like, statistics here up on DraftKings. But Mike Weir's in the field. Is he in the field? Like, 6,300. Like, okay, I must have scrolled past him because I did get to I, I did get to the bottom of the field. There he is. Um, one guy who I don't know a lot about, but he's making his pro debut. Uh, let's see if I can butcher this name. Colin Morikawa. Yeah, that sounds perfect. He was 64th at API. He lost seven and a half strokes putting. He was pretty good tee to green. 
I don't know anything about him, but I, I wouldn't be shocked there's a little bit of buzz around him just for that reason. I uh, I don't, I don't know, know if I have, have a favorite play in this tier. tier. I, I want to ask you about somebody, and, and uh, uh, I will just go ahead and say, okay, they're not going to be my favorite play, play but uh, Zach Suker, um, I'm, I'm assuming that's how we say it. it. He's, He's only got, got two events. Suker? He's only got two events on here, but they're both made cuts. Um, 35th at the Byron Nelson, 50th at the Wells Fargo, comes in 6,900. Do you know anything more about this this cat? Because I'm looking at him and thinking, I don't know. I mean, he he did okay in two decent fields. Dare I take a look at him here and make a play with him? Um, well, he finished second at his last start in the web. He's made some appearances. He's also the fourth in the web this year. So, I mean, he's got a couple couple top tens on the web.com tour. I mean, that's something. Uh, when he played Byron Nelson, Wells Fargo, he was positive off the tee. Kind of yeah, didn't do much else at the Wells Fargo. At Byron Nelson, he was two and a half on approach. Wasn't terrible there. Um, I kind of wish he was probably a couple hundred cheaper. But 6,900 in this field, I don't, I mean... Way he's playing right now, I don't think it's a, a bad play. Okay. Um, like, like I said, I said no, no idea about him, to be really honest. But, right. Uh, just took a peek at, at, yeah, yeah, just took a peek at some of that and thought I would, uh, I would jump on there. I don't know that I have a favorite play in this tier, but we have to pick one. Um, I'll let you go first, because if you take the, one of the guys, one of the three or four I'm looking at, that's fine. I'll just pick another one. Again, I mean, consistency at this range is not going to be great. Fact. Uh, let's see. This year, this guy has missed six cuts. And he's made five. But in the five cuts he's made, 13th, 16th, 26th, 29th, 46th, has gained strokes and approaches th- three past tournaments. Um, maybe not the best around the green and inconsistent putting. Kind of fits in, but at 6,800, we were talking about Danes earlier, or an Austrian earlier, Bern Wiesberger. I'm going back to an Austrian here, Sepp Straka. Over the past 24 rounds, 12th in approach, 17th in greens regulation, 22nd birdies are better. He's above average in every other stat I'm looking at. Again, he, he's probably a little bit Corey Connors-ish where he's either going to do, you know, he's got upside, but he's got massive downside. But 6,800 in this field, I I don't mind trying to find somebody with some upside. For me, it's Sepp Straka. I am torn here. I'm going to go with Adam Shank. Why not? I legitimately, I legitimately do think he's one of the best plays in the 6Ks. He's at 6,800. The guy's playing a ton of golf. Hopefully he doesn't get burned out. Um, he's made two-thirds of the cuts. And two-thirds of the cuts made in this area is pretty decent. Now, unfortunately, three of those missed cuts are in the last five outings. Uh, made the cut at Memorial, but was 65th. When he made the cut at Wells Fargo a month ago, he finished 6-under, tied for 13th. Uh, and he was 7th at the Valero two months ago, minus 12. Uh, minus 12. Minus 12. So he's shown the ability... Um, now, I don't know, maybe there's some recency bias because I just sat there and followed him for 18 holes the other day. Um, but I do legitimately, like, I do legitimately think, okay, I mean, it's not going to be Johnson Wagner. Uh, you know, it's not going to be any of these 66 or, or below guys for me. So 
Um, that's who I will throw out as my fave. The other two names, I'm just going to say Ben Crane, I will play. I'm not telling you to play him or that it makes any sense. I'm a Ben Crane fan. Um, we all know that I'm willing to just throw away $3 on the lineup to get somebody I like in there. Ben Crane will be that guy. Uh, he has done nothing to make me think that it's a valuable play. He was eighth at the Puerto Rico Open in February. Um, I think I also played a Tony Romo lineup in that tournament, if you get what I'm saying. But the other guys I would play, I would probably play David Lingmert. Um, he looked decent enough at the Memorial. Not great by any stretch, but he's made a couple cuts in a row. Um, so in this field, there's a guy I'll take a peek at, not in love with it. And then the other guy I would take a peek at, Roberto Diaz. Uh, again, not in love with it. I mean, this is a, a field that thins out pretty quick, and now we're in the 6K range. But his last five outings, he's made the cut. Of course, none of them did he get inside the top 40, but he made the cut. Roberto Diaz. I'm not really sure well on my stat model, but let's take a look at him. By the way, Lingmurth has gained strokes and approach the past three tournaments. Is off the tee is the issue, but... Sure, of course, that might not be uh, as big of a factor, so... I, I think, think I will have some Lingmark lineups along not, with some Shank not a bad. I mean, that's not a bad pick. Uh, Roberto Diaz, yeah, yeah, basically a cut maker. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's not doing anything statistically. The only other guy that even caught my a little bit of attention, Hank Lebiota has been kind of having a decent year. Um, when I look, when I go over, you know... My model, he's top 50 in all the models, except over 100 rounds where he's 52nd. So, um, 17th tee to green, 16th range of regulation. Not maybe the best opportunities gained, but 6,700. He has, I mean, he's, he's been okay this year. I mean, every now and then he pops up on a leaderboard early. Uh, Valero is 17th. Um, so, I'm... That's maybe the only other guy, but as I said, I'm probably taking a one lineup approach this week, so you know, I'll probably play Straka over Lebiota, but I could if I was playing more I could see going to Hank. Are, are we gonna are we gonna bother naming anyone that we wouldn't play? I think we're this this is full. I'm not playing Mike Weir. Okay. I have probably am not. I know he made, where did he make a cut? Was it? He made the cut I wanna say was was it Charles Schwab? Yes, he did. Yep. He was 58. Yep. 58. Yeah, he wasn't terrible at the Masters. I mean, plus four. Didn't make a cut, but um, that's not awful. No, but, man, you got to go back to his last top 25 on the PGA Tour. I don't know if he's done anything Europe-wise. You have to go back to November 2nd of 2014 when he's 21st at the CIMB. That was the last time. In fact, he only has two made cuts on the PGA Tour since. Granted, he's not playing a full schedule, but he'll play a few events here and there, so I'm not playing the, hey, he's Canadian, he's won a major, I will play him. No thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. know. I mean, I, I could, could throw, throw I could throw several, several names out there, there that, that I wouldn't play. play. I'm, I'm not playing. playing. Pretty much, much if I didn't just mention one of their, their names, names, I'm not playing them. How's that? Well, I'm not playing anybody below 6,700. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I mean, you'll play Crane, but... How about, how about this? I'm not playing... I think he was right at 66, wasn't he? No, Crane's 67. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Here, here's, here's one I want to Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. He is 66. My bad. 
I will not play Potter Carrington. He finished 12th at Byron Nelson. Uh, he has won a major, uh, but it's been a long time ago. He did not qualify today either for the U.S. Open. I, I do remember seeing that name. Okay. So there's there I will throw an official I'm not playing him because at least that is a guy you look at and say, all right, I've heard of him. Uh, I, I don't know that anybody's dying to get him in there, especially at 6,900. No. I, I think we've talked enough about the 6K tier because it's just it's, uh, it's thin. Even even the low 7Ks are pretty thin this week. Um, it does. So. Any uh, any final thoughts on the Canadian Open other than uh, you know God bless Canada. You know I love to spend some time there. And you know if I was if I was in Canada, I'll tell you this. Even though I went to the Memorial last week, if I was close to this tournament, I would probably not go because I would be catching walleye pike breath. Oh, have this little bots or. Uh, have what? What's their beer? Isn't it the, the beer uh, Labatt? Oh, oh Labatt, yeah. yeah. Um, well, well, depending on how close to Toronto I get, I would be drinking some uh, some Steam Whistle, which is a beer that I don't believe you can get outside of Ontario. I cannot find it anywhere in the States. Um, I am definitely more of a Moosehead or a Canadian fan. And when I say Canadian, do you know what I mean? No. It's a Molson, but they don't call it Molson, they call it Canadian. Oh, okay. And if you look, look at the label, label it says Molson Canadian, but they, they just call it Canadian. Got it. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a um, beer drinker, so I I drink enough for, for us both of us. Trust <laughs> me. I, 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 I can talk about the Windsor, the Wisers, uh, the Crown Royal. I can talk about it all up there. I actually think it would be cool to kind of go up to Canada, especially the Toronto area. Seems like it'd be a pretty cool area. Go to uh, Pat Mayo territory there. Actually, even. Uh, Fanshare Sports, one of the ones that I use for ownership on Wednesdays, uh, they're located in Toronto, so some, uh, some good golf content comes from the from our neighbors to the north. Um, no, as far as final comments, again, just make sure you're paying attention to the news on Tuesday. Uh, Rob Bolton, who works for the PGA Tour, he's really good about disclosing who's, who's withdrawn and who's now in the field. So... If you're not following him, give him a follow just to keep an eye on all these withdrawals because there will be some that will come out on Tuesday after the U.S. Open qualifiers have uh, decided if they're going to come play this tournament or head to Pebble Beach. So just keep an eye on them. Be ready to adjust. As far as one-and-done leagues go, uh, I think I think it's about the same message we'll be spending for the rest of the year. Is, you know, if, if you're doing well, then just continue to do well. You don't have to do anything crazy. You can take a Scott Piercy, who you probably haven't used yet this year, and even if he's chalk, if you're at the top of the leaderboard and he does well like he did many years ago here, that's fine. Um, if you're middle of the pack or you know well behind the the pack and you need to take some flyers, then you know maybe maybe you're looking at Hadwin and Beauregard or something like that. Um, so that's all I got for the one and dones. Now, I haven't made my picks yet, but uh, you um, don't see it any different, right? No, I mean, I've temporarily made mine. Um, I'm actually using this. So the two I'm using two guys in our league, and then I'm actually using the who should be the lesser-owned guy as my main pick and my big one and done because I think I am pretty far behind in that league. Let's see, 3,000 people. And I'm 1459, so, yeah, I need to kind of get moving on that one. So, when you need to make a big move, you choose a lowly known Euro player. Give me Eric Van Royen. 
All right, all right, all right I, I can, can get, get behind, behind it. it. And my second pick in our league, besides the EVR, will be Stenson. I think Stenson will be very popular this week, so I don't want to use him in the big one and done. Yeah, yeah I wonder I how popular Piercy will be in our in our league. league. Um, he would make a lot of sense because, you know, do you, so the, all the people at the top pretty much have used Johnson, Kepka, McElroy, Kucher. You're not using Thompson this week or Thomas this week. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, if you're using DraftKings pricing as a way to maybe guide who you want to pick in your leagues, Piercy starts to make a lot of sense. Um, I may end up using him anyway. I don't know. We we shall see. I, I could end up going with Piercy Duffner. That, that might be my uh, my, my early, early choice here. You know, that Duffner pick isn't bad either. If I if I if I cowardly out, I actually I don't think I'll cowardly out of EVR, but maybe if I want to save Stenson, actually Stenson makes sense next week too. I wonder what his pedal history is. Um, yeah, I, I can see myself going to Duffner. I don't think I, I think I'll probably stay with now it doesn't make sense for me to pick him if you pick him, but that's okay. No, I mean, I'm pretty, uh, I'll tell you right now, I'm not getting off of Van Royen just because nobody's going to have him. And this, again, I have to kind of get cute at this point. Um, I can't yeah. just take chalk. Is that I do have Dustin available. I'm just saving him for. You got to save him for a major one and hope he wins. I'm not, I'm actually, no, I'm not saving him for a major. Okay. Like, close right. to a major, but not a major. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, tried I tried getting cute with Rory Sabatini and Hatsong Lee last week. They both made the cut. At one point, I thought Hatsong was going to make a run at it, but uh, then... Yeah, he, you know, he was then good. It, he, I think he was playing good at one point. He was. He was. I think it was Friday. He was He was making a real run for it, and then uh, and then he didn't. It's pretty much what it boils down to. Are you... Yeah, by the way, I did I did barely surpass you in our one-and-done leagues where... Sitting right in the middle of the pack, right exactly where you don't want to be. Um, yeah, exactly. $5 million on a fur. I know, dude, because I mean, I'm telling you. That guy has $11 million. He's, I, I think, think, I think that, that cat, cat hit Tiger. Uh, I, I looked at. Was that the Tiger Brooks? Or no, Brooks? Dustin Brooks was like the combo that everybody had at the PGA. Um, I don't know who he had for the Masters. I want to say a Tiger. Like, if, if yeah, he has, yeah, he had Tiger. Yeah, he has a handful of million-dollar weeks, doesn't he? It looked like he had um, Casey at Valspar. Probably, oh, who did he have at Mexico? Rory, maybe? I mean, yeah, DJ or Rory. Rory. DJ, DJ won it. Rory, Rory was second. Because if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't show their picks, right? It just shows the... Uh, I mean, you can go back and look, but, funny. I, but yeah, that's, that's a good... Um, Man, that's some good picking there. <laughs> Better than the uh, mediocreness that you and I are going through right now. Uh, so. Yeah, no, uh, man, man we, we, I was up there too. But ah, uh, whatever. Well, uh, I should have, I should have gone, I should have gone with Rom at the PGA. We'll just leave it at that. I, no more Rombo for me. At least I can't pick him again. Yeah, I think I, I, I don't know where I used him. But I didn't get much out of him when I did. So. So bad. Well, um, I don't know. You got anything else for the uh, the Canadian Open here? I don't. Um, I'll probably. I'm assuming DraftKings will release their pricing for Pebble for the U.S. Open here in a couple days. So I will get. I will get that up. I'll probably have a U.S. Open history and a tournament history and a Pebble Open for that. So um, I'll try to get that up by the weekend. Sounds like a winner. Well, uh, enjoy the. 
Canadian Open, Hamilton Country Club. It moves back to it for the first time since 2012. Uh, hopefully we shed some light on making some good picks here. And uh, yeah, very good, don't you know, eh? I had to do it. I apologize. Now I need to go have a Canadian. Uh, for Skeeter Robinson, I'm James Adams. I appreciate everybody listening to the My Fantasy Fix DFS podcast, talking about uh, the Canadian Open. Good luck, everybody. Thank you for listening, and uh, check us out again next week.